Welcome, everybody, to episode 18 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast here in lovely Portland, Oregon. It's actually sunny today, so we can say that. It is lovely today. I'm Evan. I am Jake. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. We are going to dive right in because we got a lot to talk about, and the superb owl is on. And We have to be more entertaining than it and all the commercials. I I mean, that game could be a blowout, so we might be way more entertaining. (laughs) So it's February. This is the first time we're recording in Black History Month. We did some highlighting of sort of Black History awareness back when we recorded an MLK Day, but we've got more to talk about today. This is roughly the anniversary of when the first all-black line in college hockey jumped over the boards together. Apparently, they had no idea that they were the first all-black line in college hockey until they kind of got on the ice and looked at one each other and it dawned on them. Uh, but this was Bob Dawson, Percy Paris, and Daryl Maxwell. And a nice essay was penned about their experience on NHL.com, uh, who's done some pretty decent reporting on diversity in hockey so far. And this um, was at St. Mary's University? Yes, or? in 1970. So we're you know roughly at the 50th anniversary of that. I don't know what we just passed with... Uh, Willie O'Ree's um, start to his career. Is that was that? 1958, I believe. 58, okay. So relatively similar time. Um, speaking of Willie O'Ree, he got together with hunk job Justin Trudeau to launch Ow. Lessons from Willie, which is basically a website and media focusing on his experiences and how they can inform diversity today. It's great to see Justin Trudeau jump on board with this because, you know, as the prime minister of Canada, he has a massive platform in a country that does have a relatively crappy history, as most countries do, I think. Mm -hmm. But it's great to see a prime minister embrace the movement to correct the ills or also bring past to light of the past. And I think that's the first step, you know, bringing these things to light and saying, okay, we have these issues is the first step for Justin Trudeau in Canada and to incorporate Willie O'Ree into that conversation, who is the first black player in the NHL to have that, that combination, that pairing is really powerful. And I think it's a great step forward for Canada in kind of recognizing their, their past and coming to terms with it and moving forward from it in a more equitable and inclusive light. I forget exactly who said this. Hockey is Canada and Canada is hockey, at least when it comes to pop culture. And so sometimes Canada can have a hard time grasping and, and dealing with racism in hockey because, you know, hockey is Canada. It's easy to sweep these things under the rug. Well, to blaspheme hockey means to blaspheme Canada. So to say there's an issue in hockey means there's an issue in Canada. And so it becomes super taboo for them to try and bring the issues that are pervasive through hockey to light because you're also having to talk about your country as a whole. Yeah, and it becomes super emotional super quickly. And then, you know, it's hard not to get defensive. So the Willie movie is available on Peacock, a story about Willie O'Ree's time in the league. And I haven't gotten around to watching it. I did watch the Ted Nolan documentary called Unwanted Visitor about his 
winning the Ted Lindsay Award and then his lack of success in the league since. And it was lack really interesting. Lack of access to the league, really. Yeah, yeah. Lack of access is better. So watch that. Really enjoyed what it taught me and plan to watch the Willie movie sometime this month. What I thought was interesting also is learning about two players essentially on either side of Willie O'Ree in uh, Alton White, who is the second black NHL player and one who predominantly played in the United States. And he penned a great essay on his journey, also available on NHL.com. And then uh, Dale Carnegie, who was sort of the best black hockey player to never play in the NHL. There's been a really good push to put him in the Hall of Fame, even though he never played in the NHL, played a lot of professional hockey in, in lower leagues, just didn't get a full shot. And that is being put forth by Hockey Fans for Change, which is a new and up and coming nonprofit focusing on social issues in hockey. They you know, have form letters and a petition for people to sign to help put him in the Hockey Hall of Fame class of 2021 under the builder category, because he's someone, if you read his bona fides and learn about him, he absolutely deserves to be in the hall, even though we don't talk about his name as much as we talk about Willie Reed. And I think shout out to Broadscast on this. They, mm-hmm. they are one of the platforms that are really bringing forth Dale Carnegie's name and is it, yeah, it's how I got it. It's either hold. Carnegie or if you are in Pittsburgh, Carnegie. <laughs> Carnegie. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to them for really kind of bringing his story to our lens. Yeah. They had a great episode recently featuring both people involved in Hockey Fans for Change, which is Ashley Fraser and Gabriella Ugarte. I apologize if I've butchered either of those names. They are both really good interviews and taught me a lot about Dale Carnegie. And yeah, I plan to, you know, dive into this more and connect with them and hope to kind of build this community we've been talking about building in terms of inclusive hockey. And I think while we're on the subject, and we obviously have a couple of more recordings we'll do in this month, and we'll bring this up again uh, numerous times, but if shout out to Black Girl Hockey Club mm-hmm. and you know follow them on Twitter. They are doing a donation run right now where they are trying to raise funds to create scholarships in the name of Black Girl Hockey Club. So mm, awesome. if you have some money, if you have some loose change, if you just emptied your couch out or if you just <laughs> if you just got a new couch or if you're one of the people oh, who got a stimulus check but was doing fine already, maybe <laughs> think about like shipping some money over to the Black Girl Hockey Club. They're awesome and support this this kind of movement in in the hockey world yeah i uh i tithed my stimulus checks straight up i was just like well i didn't terribly need these 10 percent going to charity so that's where i started mine are going to paying off my wedding <laughs> <laughs> we also unfortunately had to say goodbye to the wobble yeah it it burst on us and pretty spectacular and also sad fashion what an absolute heartbreak this is I know. Because a month ago or so now, you did a really good piece, Evan, about the ways in which hockey is a kind of a super spreader event Mm -hmm. for COVID, the science behind it. And we're seeing that play out both in the NHL and unfortunately in the NWHL. Yeah. And the NWHL had such a condensed schedule and had such a small window for when they could operate as opposed to the NHL season, which is a much longer campaign. So there's there's room to kind of build games back in, whereas the NWHL just didn't have that in this two-week wobble experiment. Yeah, so maybe to summarize a little bit, the NWHL was 
meeting to play games for two weeks in Lake Placid and had first one team drop out to COVID issues and then a second team drop out to COVID issues. And, you know, while we watched the hockey and it was very good and very fun to watch, yeah, it just wasn't sustainable in this scenario, partially because these are all working professionals for the most part. And so it turned out like this wasn't as hard of bubble. It wasn't like the NHL bubble from last year where people were legit secluded for months. Mm -hmm. This is, or sequestered maybe be a better term here. This was a group of women who were professionals in other areas as well as hockey. And because of that, the bubble wasn't as sealed, hermetically sealed. It would be the, <laughs> the bubble had yeah, holes. The bubble, the bubble, no, well, it popped, not to be too cheeky about it, but no, but the, yeah, that, that happened. And it was very unfortunate to see, especially, you know, amidst of the, the good hockey and the somewhat exciting drama. And, you know, you get the sense that they probably went out better than they went in. This is a little bit of a black eye, but they also gained a large sponsor in Discover. And, you know, one has the sense that they will restart when they can and play games that were sort of promised to them on NBC. That was the real heartbreak is that we didn't get to see those. Yeah, so. we watched, we we were kind of in the middle of some incredible things. So we had this three game series between Boston and Buffalo mm -hmm. that was to decide the fourth seed. And then, unfortunately, Connecticut pulled out. And so that was kind of just to determine the last two seeds in the final, in the semifinals. Mm -hmm. So we were kind of in the middle of this like really great pivot that the NWHL had made once the Riveters dropped out. Right. It's really too bad because what we were really seeing, and I would have loved to have seen it play out, was Boston had found their gear. Oh, yeah, again. And they had been dominant the previous season they, and then looked a little... They were shaky mm -hmm. coming into the wobble. They lost their first couple games. And they gave up a couple bad leads, or a couple good leads badly. And then they were punishing Buffalo <laughs> in the last two games. They lost the first game to Buffalo, and it was like Boston said, enough, and just put their hand on the face of Buffalo and Buffalo just kind of started swinging wildly. <laughs> but Boston had such a long arm and so much talent that they could just hold them off. It was pretty cool to watch him finally find that, that next gear and that, I don't know, kind of what is it winning combination of players and plays. And we watched Sammy Davis come of age, the first pick in the mm -hmm. draft this year. We watched her just explode and then all of the other talent that Boston already had kind of rounding into form around her, it would have been great to have seen what would have happened. So like, so let, let's say Boston gets that fourth seed. They play Toronto, who had been playing excellent hockey in that first round as the one and four seed. And then you get Minnesota and Connecticut and that two, three seed. And you've got some really intriguing matchups. You've got some really great possibilities including a possibility of a rematch of a rematch <laughs> of seeing Minnesota and Boston in the finals. And like Toronto and Boston were absolutely cresting as we hit the potentials for the semifinals. And so mm -hmm. we really missed out on some excellent storylines, some excellent hockey. And I think you and I are both kind of devastated by this loss. We had this Great plan to watch women's hockey at a bar outside. Yeah, we can't be inside. We now. don't we don't have indoor dining right now, but like so we like Yeah, we my corner at... pub has has TVs 
at the windows, you know, faced out. Yeah, we were just going to watch some watch women's hockey. And uh, unfortunately, we had to watch what was Philadelphia, it? Boston. And it was incredibly boring. It was terrible. Was it like a I zero, tweeted zero, about like it. One it was one so shutout. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was two to one was the final. It and was a rough game. It was so. Yeah, it was a rough game. And we would have been, I think, much more entertained by watching Boston, Toronto or whomever had ended up making hopefully the whale Boston, whoever ended up making that final. Boston got so good at leaking out an extra shooter on the rush. I don't know if any of the other teams could have stopped that moving yeah, forward. Well, because they had so much skill. So like, regardless of what line they're putting out there, that mm-hmm. extra shooter leaking into the rush was a dynamic player. And so yeah. like you and I both were just like, oh, we're not going to be fans of Boston because Boston is good. And, nah. and, right, and you, we, and we also the- like to hate on Boston fans and the Bruins and blah, blah, blah. Of course. Uh, but, but damn, were they good? Yeah. Watching those last two games against Buffalo and, you know, like no disrespect to Buffalo, but like Boston just kind of put the hurt on them. And it was, must've been that BU band motivation, you know, like just having the brass, you need a horn section Uh to your hockey team. So we're really sad to Mm -hmm. not be able to witness this awesome, the culmination of this awesome hockey tournament that the NWHL had thrown together and yeah, and it would have been nice to, you know, see them flourish and get a couple games on NBC after the whole, you know, barstool kerfuffle. As you point out, you know, it, it exposed some of the weaknesses of the league that they'll have to address moving forward. They'll need to respond. They'll need to step up. And I hope they will. Uh, you get the sense that they'll be back. Absolutely. I think the the biggest rift that showed up, obviously, barstool is going to barstool. But the biggest rift that really showed up to me was this rift between some of the players and management and the league and the league and yeah. i think a lot of it is just you know procedural it's a small league it's hard to put a sports league together no oh, matter yeah. what you are or who you are a new sports league is just hard and you know a lot of players weren't happy with the communication they were getting from the league a lot of teams weren't happy right and i think we watched this as we watched like all of the news leaked out about the wobble being shut down and about the teams leaving from teams and reporters as opposed to official releases from the league. So I think mm-hmm. there there's room to grow and there's room to evolve. And so we'll see that moving forward. I think, I think we'll see that moving forward. We did get a, I don't know, consolation prize and that the uh, professional women's hockey players association, better known as the PWHPA announced a uh, MSG game. That's, Madison Square Garden, not monosodium glutamate, uh, on February 28th, uh, and also a partnership with the really? Toronto Maple Leafs. So we'll uh, we'll see what comes of this partnership with the Toronto Maple Leafs. The partnership seems to be a, a more of a marketing and resources partnership, as opposed to like there's not going to be a Toronto PWHPA team that the Toronto Maple Leafs sponsor and promote right it's they're promoting the league itself or the the women themselves and yeah also- this this was a, a bit of a i don't think the hockey will be a consolation prize you know all indications are pwhpa hockey game will be quite exciting well it'll feature some of the best quote-unquote best women's hockey players in the world right exactly so there's no indication that it won't be fun to watch to have that nwhl kind of fall apart literally on women in sports day and it was then, a bummer. <laughs> right. And and to get, you know, news of this high profile one game, it's going to happen. They're not going to just like cancel it out of nowhere. You know, very high profile game that we'll get to watch 
maybe like we had planned to watch uh, the NWHL finals. It's cool, and it, you're happy to see it. Um, also, the Canes, Carolina Hurricanes, have announced that they're going to fund a uh, women's hockey, girls' hockey effort that's going to you know involve players of many levels. And the Carolina Hurricanes announced Alyssa Gagliardi as leader of this effort, and it's called Canes Girls Youth Hockey. Hopefully they'll, uh, you know, be really successful in creating more interest in the sport and more women's hockey players. Alyssa is the Hurricanes girls and women's hockey specialist. And this is from the NHL.com slash like the Hurricanes official release. Mm -hmm. She's quoted as saying, making the game of hockey inclusive for everyone has always been at the forefront of the Hurricanes organization. The opportunity to create a program for young girls at the introductory and recreational levels of hockey to play with peers and develop not only hockey skills, but skills such as teamwork and self-confidence is a game changer for future generations, which is in kind of congruence with what the NWHL is looking to do is to kind of create a more inclusive hockey environment for women. And in this case, young girls to kind of come together and really have a learn certain traits and talents through hockey but also learn the game of hockey as well. Hopefully we'll see more and more NHL teams kind of expand in this way and start doing more public outreach to the women in their communities, the women and girls in their communities who have an interest in playing hockey and kind of build that sort of talent pool up. We talked many weeks ago about the growing influx of women's hockey players in Mm -hmm. the United States. But if these NHL teams in hockey markets can kind of start leading the charge and growing those numbers, then there's seems no reason that that growth might not be X or could not be exponential. Uh, A fun story kind of coming out of the sports world and maybe a little work. We're going to tie it into the NHL, but that NHL non NHL story. You didn't see Jake's wink there. Yeah. Wink is so the Kansas city chiefs, their starting center was mid haircut this week from the barber who had been, approached and hired to do all of their haircuts before the superb owl in the midst of this haircut a positive test for covid came back for the barber and so the chiefs have had to kind of scramble to make themselves look pretty for the the big game the superb (laughs) owl Uh, yeah the article kind of leaves you wondering like if someone finished this poor guy's haircut and since we're recording in the middle of the superb owl, we don't know. We have no idea if people look great or not. So, uh, but one of the one of the things that came out of this is every year we have the big game, mm-hmm. and I see one player who didn't get a haircut before, like the team photos, and the, <laughs> and I'm just like, what are you doing? It's the superb owl. Like it's the biggest sporting event. In North America, why do you look like the Undertaker? Yeah, why, 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 why did Tyron Tyron Matthew not get his haircut before this? <laughs> I have, I don't know if Tyron Matthew got a hair again. He we're, probably we're, got a, Yeah, we're recording in the middle of the game, so we have no idea. And usually they wear helmets, so you know their hair does not, which exactly is very feature. helpful. So speaking of haircuts, yeah, uh, it, part of the issue with the Kansas City Chiefs, I think, is they probably select their barber not by like you know asking about covid protocols or uh business practices or cleanliness by but just by you know sending them a picture of patrick mahomes hair and saying can you do this which patrick mahomes hair like jack eichel has relatively similar hair it's both it's a it's a curly mop right he i I would love if jack eichel would 
do the Patrick Mahomes haircut again because I think he did it at one point. Well, NFL players and NHL players have a different idea of flow. Mm. And flow is well, and a Eichel does his things his own way no matter what. Well, flow is a long-standing tradition in mm-hmm. hockey. But uh yeah, the Sabres basically got their haircut by the whole Devils team with COVID and found out afterwards. Can we call this a Devil's haircut. Ah, in my mind. In my, uh, I love it. Quick back plug. Oh, yeah. That is that. <laughs> mm, mm, choice. Is, is <laughs> but yeah, they are pissed at New Jersey. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. They already had several players in the COVID protocol. So we've seen a really weird kind of application of rules so the red wings had five players in the COVID or six players in the COVID protocol nope Mm -hmm. you're playing all your games the canes got one player in their COVID protocol and they're like ah we're shutting it down it's kind of a case-by-case basis but we don't really know what those thresholds are chances are the devils shouldn't have played that game against the sabers at all like you already have Mm -hmm. a number of players in the COVID protocol Rapid testing is only so effective. We know this. So why did that game get played? And then all of a sudden the Sabres are out for a week and it's really too bad. Those games will get made up, you know, whatever. But it'll be really interesting because we've also seen Minnesota lose a bunch of games. Colorado lose a bunch of games. Mm -hmm. St. Louis was scheduled to play both Colorado and Minnesota (laughs) and was like, well, what do we do? The <laughs> league was like, hey, play Arizona instead. Just go check out the arch. Yeah. yeah. We hear good things. There's an <laughs> elevator. So we're seeing teams. Well, we're seeing non-Canadian teams have a bunch of games postponed. Vegas had games postponed. Vegas had one player and two coaches in the COVID protocol, and they shut it down. But the Wings had six guys in the COVID protocol, and they're like, no, you have to play the Lightning. <laughs> I mean, Good luck. did that change the outcome much? No, but still, <laughs> the Wings were doing really well when they were fully staffed earlier in the season. Like, not, mm-hmm. they were, well, really well to, like, current Wings projections as opposed to 2007. Right, a- ahead of their predicted curve. Hopefully, with all of these things coming to light, the NHL can kind of revamp their COVID protocols in stride and kind of make more definite or more definitive rules for when a team needs to get shut down. You were joking earlier about what if teams are using COVID as some sort of like weapon. And like, I was imagining, you know, launching a plague ridden cow in a catapult into the keep. It's like that plague ridden cow is Kyle Palmieri. (laughs) He's just like, I'm playing for the (laughs) devils. Splat. (laughs) I, I don't know what the arc is, how long somebody stays in flight, but just think Probably of pretty long. Just just think of all of the uh, <laughs> all of the possible infestations from a Kyle Palmieri cow catapult. Uh, there are some people who are being injured for actual hockey reasons. Yeah, you know, not just schedule and COVID protocol reasons. <laughs> the biggest name, obviously, is going to be. Uh, second best player in the world mm-hmm. nathan mckinnon uh, is is out for an yet to be determined amount of time he's being called week to week we'll see how long that actually takes mm-hmm. we also uh, had peter Morazic, who had either thumb or wrist surgery this week and is now out for an indefinite amount of time wrists and dangles you think of like forwards and defensemen but 
wrists are also huge for goalies it turns out and so funny how that happens wrists and hands and arms and uh you know digits so we don't know how long peter mrazik's going to be out uh zach warensky has also gone down in recent in the last couple of days so we are starting to see the kind of normal injury toll start Mm -hmm. to take place this year it's on a couple of star players we also we had pasta out for the beginning of the season Ben Bishop is still out. Tyler Sagan is still out. Mm-hmm. So we're, yeah, we're also, missing some big names. Uh, lost Robert Thomas. He's we not lost, actually injured. He's on tour with Carlos Santana. He actually broke his wrist and is out four to six weeks. But yeah, because he wasn't. He didn't like it so smooth. <laughs> you know, one of those innocuous hits that breaks wrists, sort of like you know Kirby Doc's innocuous hit broke his wrist in horrific ways. Yeah, <laughs> like it. it Turns out wrists are one of your more sensitive parts that are exposed in hockey. I'd like to point out that both Evan and I, while talking about wrists, have been like rotating our wrists. <laughs> Cracking our wrists. To like, yeah, our old geriatric, like 30 something wrists that pop and crack every time we move them. Oh, hey, yeah, it still works. It's, it's still good. It yeah. still works. It just, I can feel bone grinding against bone <laughs> when I do anything regarding my wrists. Wrists suck. And so, you know, hopefully. Peter Mrazek and Rob Thomas can get back to their smooth stylings pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So did you uh, get your free Chara sticks in the mail? You know, I, I got mine. I wasn't expecting a delivery and I didn't get one. Maybe, maybe they needed you to sign for them. Maybe they're not there yet. Yeah. Well, I live in an apartment, so mm. like there's a gate. Your Chara sticks are coming. Oh. So uh, yeah, word got out that some random guy in New Jersey got a shipment of Zidano Chara sticks straight from True. And, you know, I guess he was some sort of a hockey fan or something. He had no idea why. It's just some weird cosmic anomaly that sent these gigantic sticks to his house. I guess someone asked him, like, are you sure that they're Chara's sticks? And he was like, yeah, I'm 6'2", and they're taller than I am. (laughs) Who else are they going to be? He should play with. Hopefully Zidaneo was cool and, like, gave him one. And he should, in his, like, beer league game, should play with one and have to hit slap shots, like, eight feet away from his body. If I had one of those, I would just cut it down to my normal stick length and then make another stick. <laughs> I, would I would just get get ahead and, you know, put it on the stick. I would finally acquiesce to your demands to play defense and then just poke check everybody in the league. No, I don't demand you play defense. <laughs> your desires, then. While we're talking here, we have reached essentially the... 25% ratio. The quarter pole? The quarter pole for the NHL season. Most teams are about 12 to 15 games in right now. 15 being the Canucks. And whereas <laughs> some teams have played eight or, you know, just barely less than half yes. of those games. But uh, over the course of this week, most of the teams will get over 14. You know, the Canucks have played 15 games, and for many of those, they have been completely owned by Tyler Toffoli. Oh, yeah. You feel bad. Tyler Toffoli's been so good that, you know, the eponymous Wikipedia editors have gotten involved and uh, pronounced him owner of the Canucks. It's really funny because I think, as you have pointed out in previous episodes, the Canucks were like, oh, He's going to Montreal. That's fine. Mm -hmm. We can't afford him somehow. He'll go elsewhere. He'll go to Montreal where he can't hurt us. Curveball. (laughs) COVID. You're in a division now and he is pummeling you all season. Yeah, I I imagine the uh, analogy is like a highly attractive 
but you know, maybe normally flawed significant other that you kind of soft break up with because you quote unquote don't have time for them and they don't fit into your schedule and you can't move contracts around. I'm air quoting all of these. And you're just excited about your other options and you know your recent successes and you soft break up with them thinking you're not going to have to see him very much you know they're across town whatever uh, maybe but, they'll move back home to be live with their parents for a couple of months right, while they regather yeah, yeah. but then they do a glow up on social media and all of a sudden you know you're seeing them looking amazing and then they get hired as your boss like that's kind of what happened at the canuck as is the case with tyler defoley murdering fools in vancouver mm-hmm. their first two games of the year he had five goals <laughs> <laughs> and like he's just kind of like he's proving his absolute worth you and i speculated that both montreal had the best offseason of any team and that their best pickup was tyler toffoli yeah visa v tyler toffoli is the best pickup of any team in the nhl this season He's absolutely proving us correct in for this season and especially against his prior employer. Yeah. If you listen to some of the Canucks tweets and media and stuff, they could not be more dejected about having to have Tyler Toffoli just submarine their season single-handedly. But, you know, there's a lot just everything for the Canucks that was going right last year is going wrong this year. Obviously, they lost Toffoli. Elias Pettersons can't score. Quinn Hughes is getting exposed on defense and also isn't scoring. Braden Holtby has been a disaster. Thatcher Demko hasn't taken a step to be the everyday dominant goaltender that I think they're hoping he's going to be. And Bo Horvat is worried in the media about having to go through another rebuild. So Tyler Chafoli has nine goals on the year. Eight of those are against Vancouver. Oh, oh man. Oh, but you're right. Vancouver has seemingly kind of fallen apart, especially defensively. They lost Jacob Markstrom. They lost Tyler Myers. Mm-hmm. They have. Did they lose Tyler Myers? No, they Myers? didn't. Well, well <laughs> no, well, they, no, they, they like, they literally just Tyler, lost him. Tyler Myers is, is a body skating on the ice, but yeah, not playing so much hockey. Like every time he steps onto the ice, it just starts like with like the. the I think the it's clown great. Music. I think it's great that you thought he wasn't on the team. Like that's that's even funnier. Yeah. So they they've clearly lost their way defensively. Well, and sometimes you can you know overshoot a rebuild, then like get your expectations up when you shouldn't, and I think that's kind of what the bubble last year did to them. And they've got they've given up eight more goals than the next closest team. They've mm-hmm. also scored more goals than any team in the NHL heading into Sunday. Which makes for great watching. Oh, yeah. Like, if you want to watch an exciting game, turn on a Vancouver game. Mm-hmm. Turn on a Vancouver. I definitely said that with an accent. Turn- <laughs> I don't think you can say that without an accent. Turn on a Vancouver game. There we go. <laughs> yeah, you just turn it on there on the CBC. And, oh, yeah. Uh- yeah, flip on the tube there. We've also seen... Patrick Laine finally got to suit up for the Blue Jackets. His first game, eh, kind of pedestrian, looked like they were going to give him every opportunity to, to be the Artemi Panarin type force. Mm-hmm. But like the first game, you're like, oh, well, it's going to take him a while to fit it. No, no, he is scoring goals already. He has two <laughs> goals in three games for, for them. He scored a power play goal today. He's looking like patrick line yeah and which is fun because he has no center help in columbus 
he was walking on to his first game or was it practice or something and he's got his Amish beard and and Brad Marchand mocks him and says like he looks absolutely thrilled to be here I misspoke Patrick Laine has three goals in his first three games including two today one on the power play good good for him it's obvious that when faced with some adversity, first in Winnipeg, and then this transition to Columbus, he's found another gear. He's just going to put his head down. Right. Uh, good for him. And score some goals. That's awesome. Good for him. Good for my fantasy team. Everybody's happy. <laughs> you know who isn't happy is the Senators. Is it, it because they're trash? Yes. That is exactly why. Not a trash panda, which is a raccoon, which is a relatively adorable adorable creature there was somebody in my hometown that had a domesticated raccoon you never know when they're gonna snap and eventually fucking animal control took it anyway and killed it man it was a very sad story dekalb is just rough (laughs) i know mean streets Uh, so who between senators who is worse right the ottawa senators or the u.s senate (sighs) that's a big ask evan i mean they're both you know total catastrophes of different proportions here's what i'm gonna say the u.s senate has no good ideas Mm. or when they have ideas they are shuffled off onto the wayside as somebody brings up QAnon conspiracies (laughs) the ottawa senators meanwhile have peter dorian Mm. who as we've discussed before is one of the best gms in all of hockey has a clear plan moving forward they have so much talent so much youth coming up through that system eventually it's going to click and he constructed that, was it 2017 team that went to this, was a game away from the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. Their ownership was like, I don't want to pay these people. <laughs> so he tore it all down and now he's building it back up. And we're seeing that that Peter Dorian expertise kind of come to the forefront. And in the next you know two, maybe three years, all of this young talent that Ottawa has coalesced under their umbrella is going to come to the forefront. You know, it might work out. It might not. Mm -hmm. Everything is uncertain. But yeah, they have really good young talent. Also, Josh Norris, Tim Stutzla. Thomas Shabbat. Right. The issue is Matt Murray. (laughs) Like, Well, he's not the issue. (laughs) But he's a big part of the issue. He has been bad. We're looking at Matt Murray as being the reason that they're not on the cap floor. (laughs) That's true. But they're also going to be, you know, if they're going to be good, they're also tied to his fucking cap hit for for the next five years i honestly i don't see that as an issue in ottawa because they're always just struggling to get to that cap floor which is funny because then you know the owner ends up paying bad players instead of good players but maybe that's the that's the goal i mean they're roughly 10 million away from the cap floor right or the cap ceiling right now Mm -hmm. matt murray's deal while it's only for four years actually okay so so that's yeah, I think it was terrible. five. Inclu- I think I thought of it as five, including this one. Yeah, uh, so it's not great, but on the like, there's worse. So if you think about it, though, like if you probably don't want to spend more than about ten million on your goalies, right? So they can pay somebody three and a half million to be a quality backup and like a Jack Campbell style, and then Jack Campbell just kind of becomes the starter, you know, or whomever. I don't see this as being a problem for the senators moving the contract the on ice performance has been a problem i mean have you seen the memes of him just like being so far out of the net yes i have like it's like he's doing some hashik shit i mean they only have 47 million tied for next year they're fine contract wise yeah yeah. but the on ice production from him has been woeful 
but like yes but like the players that they lose off are for rfa status or ufa status are like alex galchenyuk cedric Paquette, artem anisimov derek stepan well derek stepan wants out already yeah he because he apparently didn't figure out that there was covid and he wasn't going to be able to come back from canada and so he misses his kids and wants a trade yeah well i think you know we're we're talking about old guys here Derek Stepan, he's old. He's got his kids. You're right. He wants he's to, not exactly going to make much of a difference for them moving yeah. forward. Well, I mean, the big thing that we've seen is we've watched Matt Murray, let's just say flounder in Ottawa. Sure. And Craig Anderson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's pulling decent, if unspectacular minutes for the Washington retirement community. I was going to say elder hostel but nobody knows what those are you might think really but i do you know what elder hostels are i do so when i was young my my grandmother who is still with us uh she's kicking along 92 years old Uh she's the best person in the world uh she used to go on these elder hostel retreats and trips when we were kids and my brother and i being the total jerks that we are (laughs) decided that it wasn't elder hostel it was elder hostile and so it was like a bunch of octogenarians going into like the grand canyon and causing a ruckus (laughs) or like going on trips like guided tours of nyc and eventually they stop at a starbucks and they're just like smacking whippersnappers with their canes and like (laughs) standing in line and like pretending they don't know what to order at a starbucks just to cause a backup in the line so they're like oh well that caramel macchiato sounds pretty good but uh how uh, what kind of spices are in a pumpkin spice so you have sprinkles for a part of your thing and then they just kind of look over their shoulder with a sinister <laughs> look as there's like 400 businessmen and yuppies like just standing standing behind them like pounding their watches just irritated and white girls irrit- oh and then they see how long the line has gotten and at a certain point they go oh i'll just take a black coffee <laughs> <laughs> but make sure you give me some cream and sugar and so like, i think of elder hostiles as an awesome like 40 and over hockey team name it really is when i think of so my brother and i we had this long running joke of elder hostiles and then we kind of forgot about it (laughs) and then my brother brought home pantera's vulgar display of power Mm. which in my estimation the best song on that album is fucking hostile which Mm. is a really Uh incredible metal album or metal song if you want to if you want to dive in for those of you not in the know i have two kind of hopes for the elder hostile moving forward the first is branching off of this song fucking hostile is like a septuagenarian kicking open the door of a denny's and <laughs> just yelling what the hell bad for and like getting like this great <laughs> phil anselmo uh impersonation and then just like casually sitting down at a table and over ordering a moons over my hammy which is the best <laughs> thing that denny's has on their menu uh, the other and maybe maybe i just really want to see this in general <laughs> is stone cold steve austin once he hits geriatric age going on a tour of the hoover dam <laughs> and while he's standing in line he hears 
his old boss, Vince McMahon, <laughs> shouting demands for like some sort of like special permission to see the superconductors. <laughs> And all of a sudden, one of the tour guides on his phone plays that glass-shattering Stone Cold Steve Austin intro music. And Stone Cold picks up Vince McMahon and throws him through the registration table. And then gets up, pulls out some Coors Lights out of his pocket. But he can only barely open them because he's so old now. He has to finally, like, but he gets them, sprays them all over himself, and then Gives Vince McMahon the Stone Cold Stunner, and then they lead the tour. <laughs> it kind of made me think of the picture that circulated of it's like Slayer won a Grammy, and <laughs> guys up there accepting the Grammy. His daughter is just giving him the stink eye, you know, his teenage daughter. And it's like you can be you can be in Slayer, but you can never be cool enough for your own teenage daughter. Yeah, and you know, speaking of people getting Stone Cold Stunnered, though. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Ryan Hartman plays hockey. <laughs> sort of. Good transition. And Cal McCarr made him look like he was sleeping on the ice. Oh. And it was as if he fell asleep and then woke up as Cal McCarr was moving. And instead of making a hockey move, he just fell down. <laughs> like, Ryan Hartman is not a bad hockey he's player. A, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not. He's a solid NHLer. Yeah, he's he's a. It's hard to know whether he's a bottom six or a top six, but he's at least a good bottom six player. <laughs> but yeah, Kale McCarr broke his ankles in such spectacular fashion. With it being the NHL, and everybody is amongst the like top four hundred hockey players in the world, right? So seeing one NHL player do something that makes another NHL player outside of Connor McDavid look this foolish <laughs> it doesn't happen all that often we used to see it a lot with pavel datsu mm-hmm. but cal mccarr is a defenseman yeah making people look like they should retire he's pulling some and one shit like someone's <laughs> you know at the at the announcement table going oh baby yeah it's like it's like a like a boom shakalaka <laughs> nba jam sort of moment which also a 22-year-old defenseman. The NHL video games should do like a, a better version of NBA Jam. The NHL video games should just be better overall, but yes. But yeah, we were thinking that we were, you know, willing Quinn Hughes to take the step towards being, you know, the, the perennial Norris candidate that he probably will still be, but he took a step back this year and Kale McCarr has taken his step forward that we were hoping he would. There's a leap there, and mm-hmm. I think we can pontificate on this, but Cal McCarr might be the best defender in the NF- NHL now. Already, yeah. Yeah. Like, his his expected goals for while he's on the ice is 66.26. 50 is good, uh, but I, I think we're witnessing the ascension of the guy who will be in the top three in voting for the next, like, 10 Norris trophies like we've gotten to that point now where I I think it's indisputable that Cal McCarr is going to be one of the best defensemen in the NHL bar none for the next decade oh yeah just from the highlights you know quarter pull in like he's a Norris trophy winner right now and probably leading the race I can't imagine who else you put 
It's not Eric Carlson, that's for sure. (laughs) Who else do you put ahead of him? Hedman, maybe, just on reputation. They haven't really had to play games yet. Hedman is probably, like, pound for pound, the best NHL defenseman right now but i think cal mccarr i mean we're not saying he's going to win the next 10 we're saying he's going to be in he's going to be competing i know i'm just saying like this year he should probably win with this limited terms. yeah with this limited sample size i have seen unfortunately the red wings play the tampa bay lightning frequently <laughs> so i've seen Hedman do some amazing things um but and he is amazing he's I'm just incredible trying, like, yeah but no i think i, I can't think, name anyone else yeah cal mccarr is taking that that kind of torch and running with it what about things that shouldn't happen during a <laughs> pandemic? The NBA All-Star Game? The outdoor games in Lake Tahoe. A <laughs> uh, yes to the NBA All-Star Game. But also, maybe we shouldn't have outdoor games in Lake Tahoe this year. It's a great idea. I think it's interesting because, you know, when you separate the fans from the on-ice game, what do you do? And, like, why not take it on the road? We just don't need it this year. Like I love the I love the Winter Classic games. You as a Blackhawks fan have to are required by law to like the Winter Classic I don't games like them. because they the lose Black, all the time. Yeah, but they play in them every fucking year. So the the outdoor games, the, it's it's really great for hockey. It's a really cool aspect that they do. But this year, it's just like especially like I get was it Vegas and Colorado playing in one? They play in the in the West. That travel isn't super out of their way actually vegas to tahoe is a really relatively pretty quick Mm -hmm. jaunt philly boston do we really need philly boston no and like it's turning a really good gimmick into a stupid dangerous gimmick i think the danger with these guys is is the fans and and you know i think it's not going to be too hard for them to get out there get the games played and get back without too much trouble, but I don't know. Maybe that's. But why? Why chance it? We've already lost for the so luck. many. But we've already lost so many games to the pandemic this season. Mm-hmm. Why even chance it? Just say, you know what? We're nixing this idea. We're going to play the games at their normal time and one of the home games, home arenas. We'll do this again next year. But outdoors, it's probably actually less dangerous for the players. If not when you have to fly them to this zone that has not been set up for hockey. Like it's no, I'm just they're saying playing if, on a golf course. Like if the Sabres played New Jersey outside, maybe we Kyle Palmieri's some- beard was still a super spreader. Like <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised that we haven't seen NHL players speaking out against this. We've watched. I mean, you brought up the NBA All Star Game earlier. Like, yeah, NBA players were like hell no we're not doing an all-star game this year why would we subject ourselves to this that's because they barely want to do the all-star game anyways true but like it's just it's unnecessary it's an unnecessary risk in a season that is in and of itself an unnecessary risk am i super thrilled that the nhl is happening right now and we get to do our podcast with actual nhl hockey yes Mm-hmm. But it just feels like this is a, a step too far. And like this, like kind of like we're making this as normal as possible or whatever. Like just we don't care this year. We can take a break one year from the outdoor games. And like, let's let's just get through this season. Like we just watched the NWHL close their bubble, close down their season for the second year in a row because of COVID. 
if you're the NHL, you know the science says that your sport is a super spreader. Let's let's just get through the season. Like we don't need gimmicks, we don't need all-star games, we don't need outdoor games. I just want to see a Stanley Cup. I feel like you're the girl in the horror movie saying, "Why get in the closet? Why are you going to go hide in the closet?" Don't that car hide. is running and we can get in it and yeah. get out of here. <laughs> like you're both, you know, doing, saying something very reasonable. And then like, everyone's like, no, let's hide in the closet. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it will be cool to see. I think your criticisms of it are highly valid and I hope they come out of it escaping the danger. So the Winterhawks ex- announced that they'll be restarting March 19th, Portland Winterhawks of the WHL. They'll be actually playing in Washington, I guess, practicing just across the river here in Vancouver, Washington. Yes. Vancouver, Canada. Vancouver, um, not Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, because Oregon has not okayed return to play yet. So I think that the WHL should just call themselves the Washington Hockey League for for the foreseeable future. It works. Yeah. I mean, I, they do have Canadian teams, but they are all, I guess, going to play each other. And this is going to be the American division. So hopefully that goes well. It's exciting to see them knowing that they're going to lace up again because we didn't know. And the Winterhawks changed ownership this season. So what a time to buy a hockey franchise, (laughs) So just happy to see that they're going to lace up the skates. And I mean, we all still follow the exploits of ex-Winterhawks in the league, uh, whether it's Hosa or Seth Jones or Cody Glass. I mean, I think Cody Glass is someone that everyone in Portland right now is rooting for. It's exciting to see that they're they're going to play. The Winterhawks are probably like the third team in Portland behind the Blazers and the Timbers. Yeah. As far as... Which is kind of amazing as a junior hockey team. Yeah. But I also think that's what draws American players here and that you don't have to deal with visa issues and you can play in front of real fans in a real city. And they market that heavily to the players. It's awesome to see local hockey. Portland is is really kind of this weird, very inclusive. Well, sports market, but hockey market in general. Okay. We don't have an NHL team, despite being one of those markets where you would think that would be a next logical step for them mm-hmm. as far as size, popularity, etc. Just doesn't get cold enough here. <laughs> Maybe. But there are a lot of transplants here who are hockey fans. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Portland is a very transplant heavy city, especially over the last you know 15 years or so. Right. And Portland is about to launch two National Ball Hockey League teams. Wow. Uh, okay, which is two. Yeah, which is awesome. There is a really cool, if not underground, hockey culture here in Portland. So oh, yeah. getting the Winterhawks playing again is actually a really big deal. And hopefully we'll be able to get them back into Oregon at some point mm-hmm. and back into the the Rose Garden and the Memorial Coliseum. And you know, maybe maybe by the end of the season we'll actually be able to have fans in games. I yeah, doubt I it. But cool. It's, it's just the fact that they're playing is awesome. Yeah, I think they must have gauged Oregon's return to play at some point. And I think Made we're maybe decision to go to, yeah, I think we're maybe a month or so away from them, maybe being able to come back and play without fans, but I don't know. Portland is a cool hockey city. It's not super active, but there's some really cool elements to it. And hopefully mm-hmm. as we progress as a podcast, we'll be able to bring some of those elements to you because like we're a hockey podcast and we're going to focus on the NHL just because it's the most obvious but we want to highlight our our local scene as well, and hopefully we'll be able to bring some of that to you in the 
In other news, Henrik Lundqvist published a video. He's now one month out from heart surgery. He just wanted to wish the fans good luck and say, hey, I'm here doing doing my rehab and hopefully I'll be back before too long. But he was looking dapper as hell like he does. Wearing a black pea coat, which is really never a bad choice for no. male fashion. And uh, a nice herringbone newsboy cap big sort of oversized like he does which is you know that's maybe the more complex part of that look to pull off but yeah he rocked it looked good sounded good and i hope to see him playing for the elder hostels before too long so what you're saying is he was handsome and we hope to see him play hockey mm-hmm. yeah way to bring that full circle yeah. did you know we have a podcast <laughs> it's called handsome hockey podcast we'll let him know i think it's funny that the nhl itself has started to announce the three stars of the week and they're pairing they always like announce like a hockey player and some medical professional Mm. it's like you know tyler Toffoli and bridget jones nurse in bridget jones (laughs) okay whatever maybe that's wrong (laughs) i was just going for some like lame uh like stock photo name and that's what came up bridget jones diarist (laughs) Okay, fine. Jane Doe, you know, like frontline nurse. (laughs) And I just, I'm wondering when like Tyler Sagan gets paired with a proctologist. (laughs) There's only so many medical professions to go around. Right. Yeah. Like Victor Hedman, Stan something, urologist. (laughs) Victor Hedman's like, did I get paired with a penis doctor? (laughs) And they're like, yeah. And he's like, oh, cool. (laughs) I feel like Victor Hedman's a pretty laid back dude. All right, folks. Thank you so much for everything. We've seen our listenership kind of grow a little bit in the last couple of weeks, which is awesome to see, mostly because it means it's not just our friends listening anymore. <laughs> and we love we love our friends who have listened. But and also, you all are our friends. So, um, speaking of, since you are our friends, we have social media that you can interact with us on. We can be found, as always, at www.handsomehockey.com is the website where you can always find our newest episodes. And we'll we'll be starting to kind of build up that website as we move forward. On Instagram, we are Handsome Hockey Podcast. We are at Handsome Hockey on Twitter. And then you can always email us at handsomehockeypod at gmail.com. I think as Evan has said a number of times, like we are two creatives kind of starting on this venture. Input really helps. Yeah. So if you want to reach out to us and say, hey, um, you did this. And if you did it this way, it would be a lot better for listeners. That's awesome. We like we really are looking for feedback. If you hate us, let us know. Just tell us why you hate us. And like, we'll, you know, we'll try and work on that as long as you're not, you know, I mean, we're hockey Crap players man. and we thrive on hate anyways. Yeah, I'm fr- I am a like not so little ball of hate. I am like <laughs> a bigger version of Pat Verbeek. So <laughs> if you are listening to us on iTunes and you like what we're doing, five-star reviews really help us out and would be awesome to see. I have said thank you a lot. And as I, I think I say thank you about nine to ten times before we end every episode. But uh, thank you so much for listening and stay handsome, everybody. Stay handsome.